0: okay people i'm glad you came back it is part two of this week's episode and as promised we have got a film um new indie flick and we speak to the director and the writer of that piece so hey let's waste no time let's get it Okay, people. So let's start it off. We have got a new um, thriller, psychological horror. It is called Intervention. Okay, people. So, uh, yeah, just, just caught an interesting. Feature debut, right? It's called Intervention, and it is from Samesh Ramchattan. Now, Samesh he uh, he wrote, um, directed. What well, he co-wrote the film with Tiffany Flynn. Okay, um, he also produced it. Uh, we have got our cast as um, Amber Doogie um she plays Laura right we've got Heather Ellis Nelson as Carly Jasmine Rochelle as Diana Laura McGuinnin as Olivia and Lucia France as Sophie uh, there's also Bibi Lucille. Um, she plays a character. <laughs> we won't say who. Um, and yeah, the gist of the film is this. Laura Green suffers from amnesia after a near fatal attack, causing her memories to be erased every night once she goes to sleep. Each morning she must Reacquaint herself, painstakingly piecing together fragments of her jagged past from cryptic clues on her computer. When her friends video call her to celebrate her birthday, reminding her of a life she cannot recall, she becomes suspicious. Are they being completely truthful? Are they even her real friends? Laura soon learns that her friends are not who they say they are. And the truth behind her attack harbors the key to a sinister twist to her own identity. Yeah, that's it, man. So, um, you know, Samesh, uh, he, he did a director's statement, right? So it says this. I am fascinated by our relationship with technology, especially our modern identities and how they are immersed in and influenced by it. I thought of Christopher Nolan's memento and asked myself, how would I tell that story today? With intervention, I wanted to tell a story about a character whose memory slate is wiped clean. And she has to rebuild her persona with fragments from the digital world around her. But could that world be trusted to reflect the truth of who she really is? Which, you know, I I, I definitely feel that's interesting. And this is, it's an interesting film because hey I ain't gonna lie at the beginning I'm I was super frustrated because there was it was things I was seeing I was like yo that makes no like how is that not being addressed right what the fuck is going on you know and other things that just kind of threw me and yeah it was a bit weird right because we we have Laura. Well, we have this blank screen, right? Well, a white squirrely kind of situation, and we hear a voice, right? We hear a voice, and you're like, Well, what the fuck is this? Then we have Laura, right? She's by a computer and she's like looking at files, trying to work things out. And man, I'm I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, firstly, that does not look a comfortable bed, right? Because we see it occasionally go lie down on the bed and you're just like, yo, that ain't a comfortable bed, man. You know what I mean? Like, yo, it's all about the mattress. You know what I mean? And that was some thin-ass mattress. So that just it threw me, right? Because you don't Think it makes any sense, right? Why is someone buying a shit bed like that? You know, it's these little things sometimes. Then her friends, um, jump in, right? She's watched this video that she recorded for herself, and her friends jump in and be like, "Happy birthday!" and all of this jazz. But the, you know, there's a thing. I was n- like, some of the speech patterns seemed a little bit off right so you're noticing this weirdness and it's just like yo what the fuck like i don't get what's going on here but as the story unfolds a lot of this does actually become clear right You, you then realize some of the things that are behind some of the things that you may have noticed right um, maybe he didn't, I don't know, but yeah, it is it, these things kind of coalesce, as it were, and you're like, okay, right, yes, that's that's intriguing, man. It is intriguing now. I do feel you know what some says about memento. Because I love that. That's such a great... You know what I mean? You start feeling bad for my man. And then at the end, you're like, yo, you're a piece of shit. Like, what the fuck, son? Memento was great. And I think the difference about trying to make, like, say, Memento with the digital, right? Because there's there's a lot of different factors that jump into this, right? So we, we we have heard talking to these friends all the way through the film. And there's moments when it's just like, ah, oh, I don't know what I'm doing, oh, are you? And it's just like, someone just cancel that call, right? Now, if you're in front of someone, you know, there's ways people can stop you from like running off, but If you're online, you can press cancel, right? It's like people can block each other on social media and things like that. So it just changes the dynamics of interactions, you know, them finding information. There's Google and just all of these other things, right? So there's ways to search, there's ways to... Track things down And all of that So it does change the parameters I don't think some of that Was always addressed Right? Because as I said Look, the conversation goes on And you're like I I feel that that person Would have just cancelled I feel they would have just Ducked out You know? But It is Man, the way the, the, this story goes, right, the little twists and the turns, it does get spicy, man. You're, you're like, yo, okay, okay, interesting. I, yeah, I did not think that was going to happen. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely things that, here that you're like, wait, what the fuck? <laughs> wait, that happened? How the f- yo, <laughs> okay, and you like so some of the um like the reactions from people and, and their mannerisms. It it makes a lot of sense once everything has you know kind of come clean, right? You you definitely get it. And that's fun. That's a lot of fun. I I do think sometimes the dialogue isn't always the best. Right? Certain words get used, uh, you know, just the way f- things are framed. And it's a bit like, uh, I don't feel someone in that situation is going to be like all mad structured or like, oh, blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? That was it. But. It's only in certain instances, like it wasn't throughout a constant thing where you're just like, yo, that needs to there's the, the little kind of you know dialogue threads that you 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 do wonder about at the start, they feed into the story, right? So that makes sense. So you're like, yo, that's okay, right? I see that now, and you you notice those things like the the kind of curtain draws back you know throughout so it's not like you have to wait to the end and then you're like uh no like throughout little little breadcrumbs little things become clear and you're like okay okay right interesting tell me more tell me more you know so that's all good uh Yeah, there's a few times people, just a few times, again, it's not a cross, there's a little bit of overacting from some people in in some of the sequences, but, yeah, I I, kind of get it, because it's trying to do certain things, right, which is a difficult one, and especially when it's you know via video rather than people in a room and doing a thing and just all of that kind of jazz. So there is all of that. So yeah, it's into this is it's really interesting. It really is. I've, I the one thing that was it did throw me a little bit is the um, you know because as I said, look. Uh, there's these conversations all the way through so they're you know because it's remote right we're kind of looking at a zoom chat as it were um and the layout changes a lot right so you know how how you get the zoom and sometimes you have like one big image and then the smaller people along the top who's in it like that kept on changing you know And it's a bit like, uh, can we? (laughs) I mean, can we stick with one? Because you keep on changing. That's really just like, ah, just stop. You're doing my head in a little bit. Now I get why, because it's just like, oh, if if we're looking at this thing, let's try and change it up so people don't get bored. But I feel there might have been a better way of doing it. You know. But again, for a first feature, yes, I mean, he's done a very interesting job here, especially to tell this story in the way he has, you know, like, is it a modern memento? It's, it's not quite, but hey, you know what I mean? Like, why not? try and reach something right set that high bar to be like yo i want to do this right and also you're not doing that in your first film <laughs> you know what i mean but hey as i said look he, he definitely made an intriguing story with plot twists that you don't necessarily see coming right now that's that's something there's a lot of times You can see a plot point, right? You can be like, oh, obviously that. Now, there's certain things that you might go, ah, I feel. But then there's other details that you're just like, oh, I wouldn't have thought (laughs) that. Right? That's too gully, man. I wouldn't have thought that. So, yeah, this is intriguing as fuck, man. It is intriguing as fuck. So... uh. Yeah, intervention. <laughs> intervention, people. Do you want to... uh Yeah. Do you want to see what creepy shit could be happening in a small little town called Mia? Mia? Maya? I don't know. Either way. It's one of those. Right? Well, you can get it on digital or your favorite VOD, you know, um, right now. So uh, yeah, there's a lot of crazy shit, people. There really is. So hey, as I said, look, it, it's a, it's a, it's definitely a good first feature. Um, I think a lot of people might envision host, right? That that dropped at the beginning of lockdown 2020. Um, it's not, they're not really the same film, you know? So I, I don't think you can really make a comparison. Um, but yeah, this is, is, it's gonna have you, uh, it's gonna have you thinking, man. It's gonna have you thinking for sure. So if you like a kind of a thriller, right, modern thrillers, modern thrillers with a technological kind of twist, kind of a tilt to them, then I think Intervention may be the film for you people, right, so uh, yeah, there you go, now, all, all links in the episode information, you know how we do, so yeah, there you go, people, Intervention. okay people so now we get to speak with director shamesh Ramjatan, who co-wrote the film with tiffany flynn they stopped by to um yo break down the whole process people great interview so what are you waiting for right let's go Okay, people. So I am joined today by the director and writers of the new film Intervention. So we have Samesh Ramjatan and Tiffany Flynn. Hey guys, thank you for joining me. Hi, Kevin. So,
1: thank you for having us.
0: Hey, no worries at all. Right, so you mean know, you you have this new film dropping, right? And like in the statement, right? Samesh, you said that you really enjoyed Memento, which instantly won you over to me because hey, that is such a great film. But I I I find it interesting, like so you were kind of thinking, how would that work in you know the modern time? Which is yeah, you know, I think mean, it's definitely a thing because the way that story unfolds. So was that the like just straight genesis for intervention or were you thinking of a story and then you thought, Oh, let me frame it around this.
2: Well, I mean, as you know, I mean, it's intervention, um, is, is set, um, around an amnesiac who is trying to (laughs) unfold, um, her past by a set of clues. Um, I sort of originally came up, this came up, um, with the story, um, purely because I was really fascinated by technology and I was fascinated with our relationship in this day and age with technology, how we sort of interact with uh, computers, with phones, with social media. Um, And I thought, um, you know, I love Memento. It's it's a film I watched, uh, it's in 1999 and it's one of my favorites from from Chris Nolan. Uh, And I thought to myself, well, how would I tell that story today if I I decide to rewrite Memento? Um, because here's a guy who who goes around and he's trying to recount his past uh, through his sets of Polaroids and I think you wouldn't you wouldn't if you're a character today you wouldn't really be doing that you'd be recording your life through your phone uh, more importantly I think you would actually recount your memories through your social media um, so just like an intervention our main our protagonist is combing through social media in order to try and find some sort of sense of herself, a sense of her past. Uh, but the genesis of the story really was that I was trying to make a film with very little money in the middle of uh, a pandemic. And I thought, how could I do that where, where, very, uh, where the cast are actually in fact shooting her own uh, footage uh, where I could direct on Zoom and we could make this film and, and still make it intriguing. For, for the audience um, while uh, keeping elements of drama, keeping elements, keeping surprises, and still making it thrilling. And that's how the sort of story slowly came about.
0: Okay, but, okay, so here's, here's a question for you. Why not wait, right? So, you know what I mean, with, with everything going on and you know, be, this being your feature debut, was there ever the thought of you know what? Let me hold off a little bit, you know. What I mean, so I feel a bit more comfortable. I'm in the room with people doing this. Yeah, let let me hold off a few years, a couple of years, maybe a year, and uh, do it then. Why? Why did you choose to go about it now?
2: I think one of the key um, elements was you know we were right in the middle of the pandemic. This was November 2020, and we never we didn't know at that point how long that was going to last. Um, but also I think so many people during that period were sort of stuck indoors and they were thinking of, of how could I use my time better? And hence there were lots of pandemic projects that kind of came up, um, you know, sort of through, through, the, through the course of last year. Um, but I think we were all just so frustrated and we just wanted to create and we were in touch with, with, with you know, cast and crew and, and everybody was, was just sort of saying, let's do something. And I think also the you know the the impetus came from uh, Rob Rob Savage's uh, host, where he had made a film in a very similar way. He kind of directed on Zoom, mm. and the results were absolutely phenomenal. And I thought to myself, yes, you know I think I loved what what Rob Rob Savage had done there, but I didn't really want to make a, a you know a pure sort of um a pure horror film in, in, in a true sense of the genre. Uh, I wanted to make something that was a bit more elevated. I know a lot of people don't like that word anymore elevated. But it was, um, for me, um, how do I make a film that appealed um, to an audience that necessarily don't, don't always watch horror? And, and, you know, this is, the story revolves around five, five women on a, on, a, on a Zoom call. Um, and, you know, with, with women, if this is a story about women, you kind of want the audience to be primarily women to watch it as well. Um, but it answered your question, you know, it was, just that frustration, I think, um, to get something made rather than wait another year or two years, in fact. And, you know, the other issue is that so many productions fell apart um, as a result of waiting. Um, so, you know, we've lost, we've lost so many productions in the process because mm. of that. Well, let's just hang on for another six months and so on. And I think that there was a huge demand for content. So I thought we thought, you know, let's just do this and let's just see if this experiment kind of works. And, and in the end, you know, it did. So um, this is, it, you know, that kind of brings us to, to this point.
0: Ah, okay, cool. And how did you and Tiffany connect? You know, how did that creative partnership form?
2: Well, I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't um, know Tiffany up, up, up to that point. I, I had um, done a film, uh, a film la- a lab with, um, I think it was called Genre Series with, with Film London, and um, you know, I was I, I'd written the script for intervention. And I thought to myself, I really would love for somebody else to kind of really bring um, uh, bring the woman's perspective into the into the primarily because there are five woman characters and I'm not a woman, so I wanted to, someone to flesh them out and and give it a perspective that perhaps I was not seeing so clearly. So you know, I just I just put out a um, a call uh, to to you know colleagues on the film London site and, and, and before I, before I knew it, Tiffany, you know, had had reached out and um, she seemed like the perfect person. I think we sort of, we sort of hit it off straight away and our style was very similar. I'd read some of her scripts and I thought, wow, this is a very talented writer here. And I think she would she would then bring something to, to the piece. And I think as a director, you always look for, um, other people to to not just to collaborate with, but to bring something more to to the material. Mm. Um, you always want um, want somebody to 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 give you a perspective that perhaps you're not seeing. Um, and in that case, and, that, and that's why we sort of surround ourselves with the best with the best people who who we you know who we could afford, of, of course, and 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 who are available. But that's how we um, Chip and I hooked up
0: great so tiffany what was it about the the script that spoke to you like why did you feel that you know this was a project you wanted to be involved in
1: um i love a good psychopath so, um, <laughs> that, that was right up my alley um I yeah i just i like kind of the psychological aspect of it and the challenge of it i mean you have to hold someone's attention for what is it like 80 minutes it came out as 70 75 80 minutes
2: uh, and five minutes actually so it's it's yeah it's, it's oh okay
1: amazing. yeah so you've got to hold someone's attention for that long but everything happens in a room in one room on one screen um and i thought that was quite a challenge um that i wanted to kind of take on
0: mm. so because yeah i i think Over the last few years, we've definitely seen more um, like male directors bring in like a a female collaborator to try and nail the the female perspective on things rather than before where it was just like, you know, a guy writing (laughs) and be like, yeah, obviously a woman's going to think this. So it's like taking that perspective, you know, we saw, um, I forget her name. The woman that wrote Fleabag, she jumped onto Wall of bridge. The, the bridge. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: That's it. So, what, like, was there things straight away you could see from that you know, within the characters and be like, oh, we need to change that or let me bring that to them?
1: I mean, men and women think very differently, don't they? Um, and so I think I kind of brought that more you know, the more obsessive nature, I guess, of a woman's mind, where we'll, you know, think about something over and over and over again. Whereas, I mean, I, I feel like from experience, men tend to kind of, you know, think about it and then, um, carry on or let, let it go kind of a thing. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah. Um, Sorry, can
0: you repeat the question? <laughs> hey, no, no problem. It, no, it, it's just, because I, I always find it interesting, because as you said, look, everyone's got a different writing style. Yeah. And I think some people can write different genre, like different genders, and really just hit those points perfectly. Yeah. But yeah, sometimes you need that different perspective. But what was it that like, was there instant things that you saw in like the characters and you thought, oh, that actually, I feel that that her voice would be more like this, or I think they'd be obsessed on this, or they would be like this. Were there instant things that jumped out at you?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, girl dynamic, you've got, you know, four teenagers um, and kind of the social hierarchy of that, you know, they've not kind of gone out and had their own lives per se. long enough to kind of be above that or realize there's more to the world. Um, and so everything in their world is in mire and those social kind of constructs rule their life and their relationships and their standing um, in that small community. I I really love kind of the themes of small town, um, you know, kind of politics and standings and how kind of people interact within them. Um and, you know, what happens when you have the person that's not accepted versus what happens when you've got the Queen Bee like Laura Green. And mm. you know, how those two kind of contrast and you know sometimes they're more alike than you know you think. You know, why 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 are all the girls friends with Laura Green? You know, Olivia's kind of just there because she's known her since she was a baby and she's in that bubble. And who 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 is she gonna be if she's not, you know, with Laura Green and Carly? And that's her social circle. You know, Carly has a bit of a, you know, parasitic relationship with Laura. Carly doesn't know who she is without Laura Green. She needs Laura Green to feel validated. Mm. You know, Elle comes from this, you know, horrendous background. You know, she's ostracized by a community. All she wants is acceptance. And Laura Green offers that to her, you know, clearly with malintent. But um, and I also really like themes of, you know, um, trying to think of the right word, you know the surface versus what's underneath. So you've got Laura Green, which is, you know, this kind of small town, you know, everybody loves Laura Green in the town, you know, golden girl, but actually she's really shit person. She's a proper little psychopath. And then, you know, you kind of get the person that everybody shuns and frowns upon, Nell, through no fault of her own. She's had this horrible traumatic kind of childhood She just wants a normal life, but people are afraid of that. And I really like playing with those themes and the characters and how they kind of bounce off each other when you're in that bubble. You've not left that little space. You've not been outside, you know, in the world to see that there are other things and there are other people. And, you know, you don't have to be defined by those rules and those, you know, confines those world confines um mm. i really like playing with those themes. i hope that answers <laughs> the <good> question <laughs> oh
0: no, definitely this is all about getting the insight into you know what i mean what made you guys produce this film right so hey it, it, you know I mean? talk as much as you want it's all good you know is mean? that's what we want to hear tip you know um I thought like the I think one thing that that, there's a few things that jumped out the bed jumped out at me straight away the bed bugged the hell out of me I ain't gonna lie because I see the and I'm like yo what's the like why who would sleep on a bed like that but then as the film went on then you realise what was going I was like okay that makes sense right that like but that was that god yeah that just hit me straight and I'm like yo what's the deal with the bed man but I think there's certain things that I noticed, right? There was speech patterns and just like, you know, Olivia, the way she's acting all kind of weird. And you, at first you think, what's going on with this? Like, you know what I mean? What happened with the direction, right? You know what I mean? But yeah, as the layers come off, everything becomes clearer. Now, when you were putting this together, was there any thought of maybe we should reveal this sooner or, or should we frame it like this so people understand what we're doing? Like, was there a thought on the structure and people's connectedness to the film from the Gidea?
2: Absolutely. I think you know, we we set out from, from day one to make sure that um, there was a very clear structure and we had um, various levels to the characters and I think you know Tiffany just intimated there that there is um, that that this, this, like this movie is about an intervention they, these are these are supposedly friends who call her up and pretend uh, in many ways to be her friends in order to coax something out of her um, and we don't really we aren't sure from the get-go whether they are true, whether they are playing a, a, a role and what the lays of the truth, really is so I think from the get-go we always thought okay well when we come into this room with her um, I always wanted that wanted the audience to literally feel like they are sitting at the computer like they are stuck in this room and there's a very there's a there's a claustrophobia to it um, that there's a frustration in that she can't find because it's very hard to deliver visual frustration um, other than when you can't, as, as an audience, are, are frustrated that you can't put things together as well. So I wanted them, wanted the unpicking of each of these clues to, um, to take place alongside um, with Laura. Um, and hence the, the film is shot in that sort of 2D style where you are literally sitting in <coughs> with, with Laura, you, you are um, in, 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 in sync with her. Um, and you're, you're sort of feeling her mindset in terms of how she's sort of going through this, this, you know, vacantness of, of her memories and experiences. Uh, but really, you know, if you pay attention, the first 10 minutes will give you all of the clues of, of, of the entire film. It's very, that's also something I wanted to make sure that I leave some MacGuffins in there in terms of some Easter eggs, that you could actually unpick the entire, all of the clues if you watch it the second time and you pick all the clues up in the first first 10 minutes first five five minutes actually because they're all in the social media that she goes through and so on um but the layering was so important to me primarily because if you're sitting you know for 100 minutes and watching a few people talk on a zoom conversation it would be bloody boring film um and you probably turn off in the first few minutes but it really needed to, to you needed to go through the experience of well you know who is she really who she says she is and is this really happening? And what's the truth here? And what's going on there? And as you say, you know, is Olivia being truthful? Why is she being so apprehensive? What's the deal with Carly and and, and her and her animosity? Um, you know, who is who is Sophie? You know, what's her background? Who is um, you know who is Diana? So I think you know if, if we, it's so important to keep the audience guessing and keep them intrigued. And have plenty of twists. Um, and then the ultimate it it you know, the ultimate reveal was is this main character who she says she is? And like you say about the bed, uh the bed is a is a is a is a kind of a dead giveaway right in the beginning, that she's not really where she thinks she is. So I think all these little clues, and again, you know, we, we did as much as we possibly could under the the restraint of being you know, being in a being in a lockdown, not being able to. Go into that room and and dress it ourselves um because it's done remotely and and bless her you know amber amber doy Thorne, who you know did a lot of the remote shooting herself, kind of dressed her the room herself and and you know did a lot of the work herself so you know our 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 cast were crew as well because they were doing their own lighting um you know with the, under the direction of uh <laughs> Valle, but he was doing the lighting you know very very uncharacteristically. Uh, remotely, so you know we tried our best to try and make the light move across uh, not not the other characters but especially in in on Laura's face um, progressively through the entire film so you get a feel of okay well, the light actually is playing um, playing has has a has part to play in how she as, as she learns something about her past. Mm. Um, the light is is different so there's something new and the light changes you know um so that was quite important too um but yes i think you know the structure was absolutely critical uh, and fundamental because that is what really the film hangs on um it wouldn't work if you didn't have layers and layers and layers. and i think tiff you mentioned you know very aptly there that um and, and when, when, when tiffany came on board she did a hell of a lot to Flesh out these characters and make them so much more three-dimensional by giving them um, so much more of a backstory than perhaps the script that originally had, um, and, and that's why these characters are so defined. Um, and you feel their, you feel their position, I suppose. You mentioned Maya. Maya is a small little town that they all belong to. So there's a, and there's a history of um, witchcraft. There's a, his, there's a history of su- the supernatural that exists in this town. And I, I kind of drew inspiration from the Twin Peaks that we all grew up with, or the, um, you know, the, the Wicker Man that, that uh, I, I know I'd seen many, many years ago with um, Edward Woodward. And I thought that these were all really key sort of tropes that needed to be invo- in, in, infused into, into, the, into, the, into the narrative of the film.
0: Mm, I, I did like the fact that at the end, right we're looking at the film and everything that's gone down and it is that question of um culpability right because are you responsible for a thing if you didn't necessarily do the thing but you didn't do anything to stop it right and and you look at these some of these characters and it's just like I, they're saying one thing but you know what I mean? They didn't do anything, right? And I, it makes it really interesting because there's these little twists that I will say, right? A lot of the times you get frustrated because you can see what's happening, you know what I mean, before it even comes. And it, you're just like, ah, I know that it's gonna end. Like, you didn't really see some of the things that went down. So I, I like that aspect. But yeah, it is that kind of thing where it's the morality of these characters and you feel bad for some, but you don't for others. Like, it's it's, it, it, it's a thin line. So, when you were writing all of this, was there times when you filmed it, and it? Was like, ah, it doesn't quite. Let me just change that. Right. So, were there a lot of rewrites, or did you kind of hit it straight away? Do you think?
2: I think when I started the script, um, yes, I think in answer to your question, yes, there were there were rewrites because when we started the script, I would. The way I the way I write is I really sort of focus on the structure first. Um, it's like how does the story play out and how does the plot really unfold. Um, yes, we can understand that these are certain characters that I that are intertwined in the story, um, but really, how does the plot unfold? That's so, so so important. The structure has to be in place, and then I think from there um, you kind of work on the characters and you hone in and you hone in because you think, well, what would the, the motivation be, uh, to, you know, for this character behaving this way. And, why would they do that and why would, they, why would they say this and then furthermore when Tiffany came on board I think she had so many questions about the motivations and the, the drive of some of these characters that she felt well there's a lot more that we can bring to this um, and, and you know I think what she did was she made sure that every, every one of these characters held a certain position and they held that position very strongly um, you know, so Carly had a certain type of position. She had a certain view in the, of, of the world, not just the world that she belonged to. And I think that's one of the challenges of most films today, and certainly the scripts that I and I mean, I, you know, I, I produce this as well. So you know, um, a, a lot of script that I get as as a producer, um, one of the biggest aspects that's missing is is the story world aspect. You know, what what is the world that's putting pressure on? these characters to behave the way that they that they they do and what's driving them and what's motivating them to act and then that action naturally then causes conflict which then causes your you know your turning points and so on in the script so i think that's what's what was so important so we had to build this world around these characters what world do they belong to why were they behaving this way Uh, and what brought them to this one real-time element of their world because, again, the film is told in real time, so there's no elements where you can cheat. And that was one of the challenges, of shooting it, because you um, had to shoot a hell of a lot of footage and then sort of cut it together, but it had to feel like they're all in one complete conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, they're acting to a camera in front of them, but they are, you know, they are being directed, um, or the, the rest of the, the cast um, I, I on a on a zoom call next to the next to them on a laptop you know which is very, very it's far more challenging to direct because when you're directing a normal shot in a in a let's say in a location or in a, in a studio you know you can easily just block the shot months before you know who to play off against so one actor is gonna be very generous to the other or less than generous so you're gonna you're gonna act off off of certain cue or or a particular uh, emotion that a certain actor is giving you. But when you're just acting to a flat screen, um, it's very complicated, it's very complex because you have to then fill in the gaps. Of what you think the other actors are, the, the reactions that are coming from the other four actors, for example. And so that's why, and one of the challenges of shooting a, a Zoom film is you, you get this dead space because you've got four other characters who are just sort of staring at the screen, you know, and it looks really boring so you have to make sure that you've got all of them reacting and all of them are are doing something, not just sitting there looking dead, dead faced, you know, dead eyed to the to the camera to the screen. So there's a lot more challenges to shooting one of these than actually actually shooting a traditional film, uh, which which most people think you think it's the opposite, really. Um, but I mean, I'll let you know Tiff come in here, obviously, because um, you know you know, yes, I think in answer to your question, Kevin, the change, there were lots of changes. And that's the journey I think you go through because I think there are are some people who feel that, you know, once they've written a script, they don't want it to be changed, but I feel it needs to evolve. And once you do your first table Mm -hmm. reading, you get actors to read your lines, you must then definitely, you know, evolve that script even further. So you change lines, you change a perspective, perhaps. You know, you suddenly think, well, I think it, you know an actor will come in and, ha- and have a question for you about the way that they want the way that they feel the ca- character would react in a particular scene, and I think it's so important then to go well, I think that's a great idea to go that way and um we had we had a great time you know directing I had a great time directing i'm I'm not naturally a director it wasn't it's not my first go to position um uh, i'm I'm more a producer and a writer, but um it was great to direct because um you uh you you had an op- I, or i had an opportunity to um explore aspects um of more character where we couldn't deliver from a visual point of view you know you couldn't have shot after shot after shot where you made up the film in that way you really had to rely on the the strength of these characters and the strength of the acting to make the film
1: mm I agree with that, Sam, um, about the evolving script from draft one to draft ten. You know, just sitting here in front of my computer, it changes. And then it goes to the producer and they've got thoughts and ideas and it changes. And it goes to the director and they've got thoughts and ideas and it changes. And it hits the actors and the same thing happens. And I actually think it's a very natural process. And I think it's what builds success into a script. Um two heads are always better than one, I say. And they'll see things that you don't see, or they'll think of something about the character that you haven't considered. Um there's always room for improvement.
2: Absolutely. I think I think most of all, you know, your actors will also point out that why would she do something like that? Or why would she say that? Or isn't there a natural issue with the plot there if, if she did that, you know? Which is which is fantastic because what you don't want, especially in a, you know, at this when you when you when you're making films at this level, um, which is almost a, you know almost zero budget, um, you know you don't have the opportunity to test a film. You don't have the uh, opportunity to put it in front of an audience before it gets out there. So you want to make sure that every all of your mistakes and all of your issues are actually honed in and worked through. At script stage, and then at the stage when you're shooting. So I think if somebody comes along and says, you know, well, that doesn't make any sense, or perhaps this could be better if we tried it this way, you know, as a director, you or even as a writer, you've got to go absolutely. Let's take that on board and let's make the changes. Um, Also going. Sorry, sorry. Sorry, go
1: on. I was just going to make a comment about you know on the morality aspect that you brought up, um, Kevin. you know, going to like Olivia, and at the end, you know, when you, you kind of discover all the girls' roles in the in the demise of Nell, you know, the whole movie, Olivia's, you know, she's shifty because she's guilty. She feels guilty, and she wants to, you know, she wants forgiveness, and mm. she she wants to get across like she never wanted to be part of it. But you see her at the end, and you know, she's a begrudging active participant and I think it you know it resonates in you know today's world you know so many things that have happened in the past 10 years you know hashtag me too and you know just all sorts you know people who you know they'll say but I I didn't do anything it wasn't me but you know you you stood by on the sidelines and you watched it happen and you didn't say anything you didn't stand up for the right thing um, or for what was right. And I really, um, I love exploring that theme too and kind of making people uncomfortable because we can all, we've all been in that place where you've probably seen something walking down the sidewalk. You know, I remember one time I was over on Holborn and some random guy started attacking this guy on a bicycle, you know, and instead of kind of stepping in and saying, hey stop don't do that I kind of just put my head down and like kept going and after the fact I thought about it and I was like god you know I should have said something everybody just stood there we all just stood there everybody you know classic very British everybody ignored it It, you know it's just and I felt like really I don't know I, I wasn't proud of myself
0: Mm. Well, I mean, yeah. to be fair, Tiff, right? I mean, there there are situations which you'd be like, do not get involved, right? Because you know, <laughs> if two guys are fighting and then little you tries to break it up, you <laughs> could get battered, right? So, I mean, but yeah, it it there's this
1: it's even on a higher level. Like, look at Ukraine mm. and Russia and. Russia effectively bullying a sovereign country and we're all sitting on the sidelines giving a little bit here and giving a little bit there what what's happening is wrong we all know it's wrong and you know 20 years down the road we're going to have all these you know case studies and investigations and criminal courts and everything and justice will be done but you know it should be done now shouldn't it we shouldn't mm. wait 20 years down the road to so people can feel better about themselves yeah it's not off, off piece there <laughs>
0: no no I, I think as i said look it's all about culpability right and so it's interesting because there's those situations where you're like i there was nothing i could do but then you might be like you could have left
1: mm-hmm.
0: but sometimes it's just like oh i didn't think that was an option you know what I mean like you can tell sometimes where people honestly felt that was the only thing they could do but it doesn't mean it's right right It doesn't yeah. mean that they're not guilty but you can see that they didn't want to be involved but they felt that they couldn't not be involved so it's interesting to see that hierarchy in those groups of Who's manipulating? Do you know what I mean, what people? How much free will they kind of have in those situations? And I thought that really did come across.
2: I think I think one of the things that, without giving too much away, um, you know, what what we have to realize with the, the character of Laura Green is that she's she's a narcissist. She's a pure sociopathic narcissist. And we've all we've all been there where we've known someone who. Is so controlling, who, who can manipulate um, manipulate manipulate people, and you know that that person is 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 bad. <laughs> you know that person is bad news, um, particularly in a small, concentrated, you know, small town, for example, where she is the queen bee. Mm. Um, so I think when you you know, yes, they are culpable, and yes, they are complicit in in a heinous sort of act at the end beginning if you want to say that um, but at the same time they are um, victim to this this sociopath and she has control over all of them. She has the particular you know as, as you know she knows how to manipulate each and every one of them in order to get what she wants and she always gets what she wants. Um, so that, that's also one of the key elements, one of the key themes of the film in that um, it's really about how bullying can happen in a very, in a very psychological way, particularly online, you know, with, 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 with elements. And I want to explore that with elements of bullying online these days and um, and how it's become so out of control in that, you know, here you have a, a person who can manipulate you um, to do things that you really don't want to do. Mm. And so that, that is, you know, a major theme in, in the film. And, you know, even in the, in the main character sort of following in the footsteps of these girls and wanting to be a part of this clique um, is very, even though she probably thinks this is um, contrary to what, I, what my beliefs are, but she wants to be that person. And even in the end, again, with you know, a, a spoiler alert, even in the end, she chooses to be She'd rather be the popular the popular monster than the true monster. And that's what I wanted to leave the audience with. That she'd rather be the monster that people don't see as a monster, people love. Because everyone loves Laura Green rather than being the monster that she she supposedly is, you know, the supernatural monster. Um, and that's why, at the end, she chooses. She chooses to live in that seclusion, and chooses to live in that, um, in that um, myopic state. I suppose in that kind of delusion, that's easier for her. Mm, mm. That's more society,
0: yeah, I, I think a question when it, it comes to been. social media, right? Because you know we talk about bullying, and we talk about all of these different things but there are kind of functions right it's like you can block people you know i mean you can kind of edit your streams in that way so with making this was there a thought of why wouldn't she just leave the stream right because there is that option but she she chooses to stay there you know what I mean? Like, it was that kind of a fault going into it? Like, how do we show that she has to be here? Like, you know what I mean? With all of this stuff going and, you know, th- what she's feeling, why isn't she jetting? Like, what's compelling her to stay?
2: Well, I think we see in the first five minutes that she's naturally frustrated by the fact that she can't find out who she is. She has an idea. And, again, she's been fed a lot of this stuff. She's been fed a lot of of um the clues and so on by by again spoiler that you know by sophie she wants to uh find out the truth she knows that there's something amiss she knows that there's there's something to do with these girls something to do with her supposed friends and there is there's a morsel of truth in there and she wants to find this truth so when she answers the call she realizes that you know there's there's got to be something here so she can't just simply go well you know i'm not going to Bother, I'm just going to switch off because by the end of tonight, those memories are all gone anyway. So she wants to try and get to that, perhaps that um, that truth and actually find her memories and realize, well this is the truth. But she doesn't know what that truth is. So that's why she sticks to it. Now I think at the end of the day she if, if she's going to find that that one morsel, and you know when she's looking to her screens and her videos and so on, she's, she's driven to find you know, that's, that's her only occupation in life she sits in this room and that's all she does all day long she doesn't do anything else um so yes she can actually just you know click off that or she can she can stop being a pilot. but let's be honest you know um and again this is going to be a spoiler she's actually living somebody else's life she's actually consuming social media from somebody else she's not actually consuming social media or her own social media feed because she's enamored by, you know, the the Laura Green character. I think,
1: too, you have to add a little bit, you know, the psychology of it. You've got a person who all they want is acceptance. And Mm. here pops up five friends singing her happy birthday. And they're all, like, cool, normal people. And this is what she wants internally, whether she, you know voices it or not that that's what she wants she wants friends she wants people who want to you know want her and want to celebrate with her so it's kind of pandering to her kind of inner desires really
2: yeah yeah no i i I think ultimately we all want acceptance don't we? we we all want to be accepted in in a certain circle in in the world really um, and that's the issue with social media. Everybody wants to be accepted, but it's what, what, that, what form or what shape that acceptance takes. Um, so it speaks to, and the film speaks to, you know, what would you do to be accepted? What would you, and, and we all know the issue with Instagram or whether it's TikTok and so on and, and us trying to fit in to that world, even though we may not belong to it. It may not even be us. Um, but we all want to fit in. And I think, as you say, Tiff, that's the psychology. Her psychology is, yes, absolutely. She wants to be accepted by this group. She wants acceptance. And so the social media aspect plays a plays a part in that.
1: I think, too, also at the end, you know, when she, she gets the ultimate rejection, effectively, she also gets the ultimate revenge. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of like that. You know, it's it's twisted. <laughs> but mm. I, I like
0: it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean you you do wonder how she get it she got it in the room though. You know what I mean? <laughs> like when you consider where she is, it's just like yo, security might need to get changed or audited at least. <laughs> I I kind of feel the um you know, you, you get a sense though with now that there is a social media, but also it's what happened, right? It, it, it's coming from her situation, that need for acceptance, that wanting to find normality with a group of people, right? That seems to be one of the big things driving her as well, which makes it all even more compelling because you just be like oh man that's brutal right and then it's just like well, what could be worse than that and then it's just like oh shit right that <laughs> that's what's worse oh, god damn it
2: <laughs> yeah I think she's lived her entire life um, in in seclusion and as um, the outcast she's, she's, she is the town outcast um, for the reasons that we know that, that you know the, the the fact that she is a bit of a monster. Um, so that she, she's been kind of hidden away so that she won't, she won't have to not just face these issues, but she probably, somebody knows that she wouldn't have, they wouldn't have to face these issues too. Um, but yes, you know, apart from the social media aspect, there is the very large and looming you know, supernatural aspect. The fact that this girl... Is is a witch, and she is not just a witch. She's probably the witch. So she's got powers that far exceed anything that these girls who t- want to toy with this little this, this power and, and you know the queen bee wants you know, Laura Green wants this power from her, thinking, wow, this would be something. You know, so that's an extension of her, her narcissism. This this is the ultimate form of power. To be able to dominate, not just dominate people and manipulate them, but to have supernatural powers at the same time. Um, except it backfires terribly, and she ends up a victim of that narcissism, I guess, in many ways. But um, yes, and that's the ultimate revenge that Tiff you mentioned. You know, that's her ultimate revenge. That she actually and now suddenly embodies the the, the real Laura Green. She's kind of. Suck the life out of her in in terms of taking her essence um but yes that that and and when i when i you know was writing a script i well, I thought to myself, wow, you know this is such a so much you know we could have just focused on that story, and you know the the backstory was 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 probably something we could have really looked into, but I didn't want it to become about that element I wanted the the horror elements and the witchcraft elements. To really just pepper the story so that you had an element of mystery and an element of mystery, element of mystery and intrigue in the background, rather than it become the story. Mm. Um, so you know, I think in any in any story, it's how how do you take the audience into into the narrative? And I wanted the story, I wanted the the narrative to be about finding the essence of where Nell is and where she where her existence is at that particular moment rather than her battle with this with this supernatural power Um, because that would have been a very different film Um, and I think you know when you when you start off on the journey of making any film you think well how can we do this differently how is this going to appeal is there a hook to it uh, and I think if you made a, a just an, another supernatural film about witchcraft, you know, very much like The Faculty or, or um, you know, uh, so many other witch films, like The Witch Recently just released as well, then it becomes a film just about, about witches and rather than a story that has a bit more of a social commentary, which is what I'm always genuinely interested in as a, as a, as a filmmaker.
0: Mm. Yeah, no, I, I like the fact that, we we kind of have that supernatural element floating around the background, so there is that. Was this a thing? Like how much? Like what's really real? What really happened? And it's we don't find out until the end, which then just really does like make you just be like, "God damn!" You know <laughs> that, that that's, uh, yeah that that works. I enjoyed that aspect of it. Now one thing I'm wondering right because of lockdown and it changed the way you did this like how different would this film be if the intervention happened in one room but they're all in that room together like a traditional intervention sitting in a circle or ever how they want to be sitting but they're all together in a room how much different do you feel this film would be done like that
2: I think that the the, the core of the film would still be there. I think the elements, you know, the the, the character, uh, the characters and and, and how they interact and and their particular um, motivations for being in that intervention would still be the same. Um, So those things wouldn't change. Um, I think we would probably have much more freedom to um, shoot the film in so many ways. But then again, you know, there's... there's, um, you know, there's been a few films made this way. And, you know, um, you think about Unfriended or Searching um, and, and, and of course, Host. Um, and then you ask yourself, well, how would that film be if these were, you know, if we did a seance the normal way, for example, in Host? Mm. I think then you would lose a really fundament, fundamental element to the film and its hook. I think Host works because it's it's a Zoom seance. Um I think intervention works because it's the the, the the fact that these characters can't reach out and grab strangle each other um, makes it all the more frustrating and also makes it all the more um, mysterious and intriguing because you don't know what's really happening. as I'm you know as as we sit and look at each other on a zoom call we don't know anything else about that person. Um, the backgrounds could be completely false. So it lends to that, to that element of, well, w- of what we don't know about the character and about the situation. I think if you put this story in a room, you would then have to then appeal to the traditional filmmaking tropes. You'd have to, to set the story, and you'd have to bring other elements of drama into it. Um, so it would become, I think, far more, far less of a story, I think, if you just simply shot it that way. Um, and then you'd also have to give the audience, you know, one of the key things is you have to give the audience what they want. And I think you'd have to give the audience action. You'd have to move your camera much more. You'd have to move your characters around much more. Um, so even if you kept it in one room, let's say, I think you'd have to do much more to keep them intrigued. Um... So, you, you know, being on, being on Zoom, you can get away with a few things because then you don't have to move that camera around so much. Mm. I don't that. That's it,
1: that's it. I um, kind of great. I was just trying to think of like how that would have worked. And I think it would have been a completely different film. Um, yeah, because I think you can hide a lot on a Zoom call you know, body language and tics and gestures that in person you can't get away with. Mm, yeah, that, yeah, that element of kind of um, yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to be as sneaky, I guess. You know what I mean? Like it would too much would be revealed. So what Sam said is right. Like you know, you'd need action. You'd and it would probably be more of like a witch movie. Really, at the end, because you you know you. would it'd be the town would become a character in it, wouldn't it? Because you'd have Absolutely. scenes and, you know, maybe, you know, flashbacks and things like that. It would have been, I yeah, it would have been a completely different film, especially because all those girls in a room together, that you wouldn't have been able to hold it all that tension mm. as long as we kind of managed to do. Um, it would have been impossible.
0: You'd, I, I feel you definitely see more rage in people and there would need to be a reason why it gets held back right there would need to be something happens why you wouldn't see them attack each other or you know I mean that kind of thing so you might see someone pick up a chair looking to throw it or you know I mean scream and that kind of stuff but then it's just like all right but why aren't they attacking each other so there would need to be something to kind of show that so yeah, he, who,
1: who sits next to who? Who who walks out of the room? Mm. You know, Screaming matches, you know. You kind of get it a, a little bit on Zoom, but I mean, you can just mute somebody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the beauty of Zoom. <laughs> um, <laughs> so you know, it di- yeah. yeah yeah, it would have been a completely different film. So how
2: would you get those characters in a room together? Because I think you know, I, I think a lot of those characters are quite reluctant, maybe, to to get into a room with now. Um I know I would be. So I think they probably would be like, I don't want really no. anyone to face her again. So Zoom makes it kind of convenient that they see her. Um and this is a great way to get the truth out of her. Um, but I think you'd yes, you'd have to flesh that story out because it would it wouldn't just be about those things. And I agree with you, Tiff. It'd have to be about where they are and flashbacks about how Laura Green is missing and, and it would be about really how you know, and we couldn't do do that final scene or that sequence. Um you know, in in the in the house, the way we did it, it couldn't be so Blair Witchy. It would have to be very different. And even if you tried, um, you know, I what I would do then is I would probably set it in a set it in a in a way that it would be the kind of Blair Witch. You know, maybe they were out in the woods and, and this whole thing, you know, came out that way. Or maybe they were stuck in a room and that's how that came out that way. You know, so. I think you'd have to tell the story in a very different way, you have to find a way to tell it in a way that the audience then picks up on it, otherwise, it will just fall sort of flat.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But you know, you, you've now done the film, your feature direct, your debut. It's all done. Right. So there must be that satisfaction that you were able to 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 create something like this in a time of, you know, restrictions and everything like that. So, yeah, how did you feel once it was all delivered?
2: I think a great sense of joy and relief. You know, I've been wanting to make a film um, for 30 years. So, you know, I've done this. I've been, I've been you know, I, I went to film school about 30 years ago and then I just never uh, committed to making a film. You know, I, I sold scripts and did a lot of writing hmm. at that time and did other things.
0: Well, you did yeah. restaurants how do you go from film school to restaurants
2: <laughs> <laughs> well i think everyone every film school student will tell you you know you've got to have a plan a and a plan b and, and and my plan b became my plan a so that's why i ended up in restaurants and and loved my restaurant career i still and i still do i love you know everything about restaurants and the hospitality industry but there was always this, this frustration and there was something lacking you know you find that there's something that's missing and everyone will tell you that because I think filmmakers have this creativity that that is just itching to get out and they just want to tell mm. a story. And there's a, everyone has a story and they want to tell, and some succeed and some don't. And I really have, you know, but I think in 30 years, I probably have about 100 stories in my my, you know, my laptop, you know, in in various forms. You know, some written, some are some not, some just ideas, some written to into books because I've I've you know I've authored four books as well. But I think, you know, everyone is itching to tell a story. And I think filmmakers are itching to have a voice in the world. They have something to say about the world. because stories are not just, here's a character, A, something happens to them, and then they're forced to go on a journey, and then they have to change something about themselves in order to succeed. Because then every story would just be this kind of cookie-cutter film. I think every story has, a, has, a, has, a, has an impression has something to say about the world or the person that's telling it. So I think, um, you know, I- intervention is about my take on where we are with technology and how we have a relationship with it. And what if we lost our ability to remember ourselves, how would social media then impact on that? Um, but I, I, I am so thrilled by the, by the film, you know, um, it, you know, it may not, it, 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 um, I think it has an audience. I think it will have an audience with certain people. Um, it's, it's not a, per, a, a, a true horror per se. As I say, it's more psychological horror, um, you know, in in the vein of um, St. Maude, perhaps, or uh, Midsummer. in that it's very character-oriented, very character-driven. But I answered your question, Kevin, that's probably a, long, a long-winded answer to a very simple question. It's <laughs> very right. really thrilled to, to have a film art in the world, you know, and... Um, um, hopefully there'll be many many more we're working on other things at the moment so yes yes to that
0: and what about you too? how did you how did you feel once it was all done like did you feel that oh, I wish I'd done more or were you just like no that's exactly how I f- hoped it would go
1: um I think that you know, with any script that I work on you're always gonna you know have moments where you stop and think oh I wish I would have done that a little bit differently but I don't know, I just felt really excited. I felt really lucky for the opportunity to work with Sam and um, the fact that we worked so well together made it such a fun project. Um, Yeah, yeah, I'm just excited, I guess. I'm, you know, banging the drum and letting everybody know it's out on Apple and, yeah, it's
2: just cool.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, well i it's definitely a great foundation you've laid here, so I mean the big question people are probably wondering is what's next? Are you two gonna continue collaborating have you are you sick of each other? what's going down
1: I don't think I could ever get sick of Sam um I think we've got some things up our sleeve. I'll we'll pass over no, no,
2: at all yeah look we're we're working on a, on a on a couple of other projects together um you know um which are, which are currently in development. So we are, we are doing other things, much more exciting things, bigger things, not necessarily, you know, one-room films. Um, but again, we, you know, we have a, a, another horror picture that we, um, we, we just you know, have in advanced development at the moment. So, yeah, you know, I think watch this space because there's, there's much more, much more to come. But um, it's an exciting time. It's an exciting time, I think. You know? I think especially for indie filmmakers, you know, I think indie filmmakers have had such a tough time and, and 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 things are so um strange things are changing all the time and the streamers have come in and made made things more more complicated i think um but you know i think it's a great time for indie filmmakers to tell their stories and i think there's there's a, you know there's a demand for great content so um you know i think my message to anybody out there who's who's writing and directing and and, and waiting to get out get out there you know just just keep the faith and and keep doing it because you know you're 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 your day will come.
0: Mm. And how can people follow you and keep track of, you know, what's happening?
2: Well, I, you know, we, we're on social media. We are, um, we are Brava, Brava Studios. So if you want to check out Brava Studios, um, that's, that's a website, Our website, a Brava Studios, brava.film. Uh, we're also on social media under the Brava Studios. So on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Um, so you know, check us out and check out our trailers and, and anything that's you know that we're working on at the moment as well. Um, and keep in touch.
0: Great stuff! So, people, intervention is out right now. You know, I mean, if you, as I said, look, if you enjoy a psychological thriller, you know, if you enjoy five crazy girls going at it then this could definitely be the film for you so um yeah samesh ramjatin and uh tiffany flint thank you very much people take note of those names because i expect we're going to be seeing even more things from them pretty soon so guys thank you for your time i really appreciate it Uh, and good luck with the film. Thanks
2: for having us.
1: Thank you. Thank you you so much for having us. Hopefully we'll be doing one of these again soon.
0: (laughs) When the next project is ready, definitely come back and let's have a conversation.
2: Definitely. Cool.
0: All right. Thank you very much, guys.
1: Thank you, you, Kevin. Thank you.
0: All right. Okay, people, so there we go. We are done with part two, and this week's a interaction with Echo Chamber, right? So, um, yeah, great films, you know what I mean? And listen, definitely go follow Shamesh and Tiffany, right? All their information in the episode details. Um, find out more about the film and people if you haven't checked out part one right we we take a look at 12th day a climate change documentary no time to die the 25th bond and the unbearable weight of massive talent which is woo, so fucking fun so plenty to sink your teeth into this week people Go share it with your friends. You know what I mean? You don't want them to miss out on the goodness, right? And we will see you next week. All right? Peace.